starts to fall uh paul as long as you're playing that version of i'll be there for you yes i will <laughs> that go, is uh go ahead that's how i'll find you in the rain yeah joe uh we just accounted for i think like something like 0.8 percent of the youtube views of that remix uh, <laughs> because uh that is by the infamous trio of dj nico dj Seabass, and dj aaron um who uh, seem to be three dudes who uh, set up a camera watching their turntables uh, do the remix of that song. So what, um, pr- what I like them on their big break. Uh, what I like about it is that what I expected to happen uh, is the opposite of what actually happened. <laughs> it was a super ironic remix. So uh, ironic. <laughs> um, yeah, Joe, we're here to talk about 90s pop rock. We are. I should uh, say, welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, as always, uh, it's Little Miss, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, Paul McLeod. <laughs> uh, I'm frequently wrong, Joe, um, <laughs> which is the only incorrect thing I just said. Um, yeah, uh, we um, we needed to kick one out because I'm going out of town for a week and a half, so... Um, this is our heavily researched topic of the week. You know, uh, it's unsurprising that if we we need a podcast, uh, we turn to the 90s. Yes. At least we don't turn to music that we um, actually like from the 90s this time. Uh, instead, we're trying to answer the, the eternal question, uh, is um, 90, soft 90s pop rock good? Mm-hmm. And this will uh, segue into a 45-minute discussion of Pablo Honey. <laughs> uh, the ultimate 90s pop rock song. Um, yeah. Any other opening remarks, Joe, before we jump into our songs? I'm just delighted to uh, to kind of go through this catalog of songs. It's a unique slice of 90s life. How would you describe them? I, I guess pop rock is one thing, but that they're... Pop yeah, alt, pop alt. There, yeah. Uh, there's this radio station in Orlando where we went to high school back then, uh, called She ninety eight point three, um, which, as you can guess from the name, was designed to provide pop rock uh, to a feminine audience. Uh, I listened to it because I was such a um, such a uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for a rockist um, that I, <laughs> when the actual hard rock radio station uh, wasn't playing or was in an ad or something, I would go over to she 98.3 uh, 
and uh, we and, hear a number of these songs, <laughs> and then stay there, because <laughs> and then stay there forever, you, and, or at least until they played uh, Tonics. If you could only see <laughs> no, that song, that song is good. That is don't, a, don't. <laughs> that is a glaring omission from this uh, this particular pod. See, see, I would say they're they're like uh, obviously they're fake grunge, but they're they're too hard for this list, if you ask me. Um, but they re-recorded a, a poppier, softer version of the song for. Oh really? Well, uh, I do remember the like acoustic Shania version. Yeah, I do remember the acoustic version. Maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah. Well, um, okay. Now these things span from the early '90s to the late, so it's not really uh, a movement. But I don't know. Um, when we were coming up with the list, these ones all popped into my head, and then in my research, I found a whole bunch of other ones that we'll bring up as we go along. I think the the goal here is just to decide whether we should continue to honor these songs or to uh, uh, pull them down like so many monuments and uh, relegate them (laughs) to the uh, uh, trash heaps of history. Yeah, like a Confederate statue, they may be terrible, but uh, uh, some people still like them for some reason. Many of, um, many of them are <laughs> traitorous to the cause of good music, but they are part of our heritage. It's true. We can't erase the history of um, uh, <laughs> Save Tonight, to name a song we didn't put on this list. Uh, who, you know, it's, it's, as you know, Hootie, Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, strong Confederate uh, <laughs> parallels there. They are from South Carolina. They are beautiful uh, Charleston, South Carolina. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they're from Columbia, dude. At least according to the Wikipedia article I just read. Oh, interesting. I think okay. It, it said uh, they went to the University of South Carolina. Oh, there you so. go. Um, well, there's a Darius Rucker Road in Charleston. Yeah, uh, maybe he's from there. Who knows? Let's let's speculate about facts that we could easily look up. Um, rather than offer opinions. That's very 90s of us. Yeah. Um, okay, Joe, what do you think is the first song we should we should uh, give the Savage Beast treatment tonight? Um, well, uh, I think we should listen to uh, Two Princes. Yeah. By the Spin it's probably Doctors. The, it's probably the earliest one in the chronology. If not, it's close. Indeed. So here we go with a classic. Once again, that was uh, Two Princes uh, uh, with um, 
or by sorry the spin doctors uh paul which of the two princes are you uh i'm the one who thinks that buying a girl rockets is a good way to prove that you love her um it's a classic romantic gesture uh at least if you're elon musk um but uh yeah clearly me yeah there's a uh I uh, so I guess that means I have the diamonds in my pockets. Yes. Um yeah. which one is what, is the idea that one is supposed to be rich and one is poor because it seems like if you're buying rockets you're rich also. No, I um, think I think so w- we could get into this, but the idea is that both princes are quite wealthy and uh-huh. uh ready to uh lavish their wealth upon uh the uh female uh addressee. I can relate uh, to of that the narration that you are that you want to lavish wealth upon someone, or that you are going to have the wealth lavished upon you. No, it's just that I'm filthy rich. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have a princely racket. <laughs> it's what I said. Now, um, <laughs> Joe. Yeah. What? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is Joe, going is this, well. Yeah, really well. Um, it's going pretty well considering we're 2,000 miles away from each other or whatever. Um, Joe, uh, is this song good? Yes, Paul. I think it's a near-perfect pop song. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, it's uh, led by the faux Cali intonations of the singer, who I think sings exactly like someone from New York pretending he is from <laughs> California. Uh, just way too laid back and chill, brah. Yeah. Um, uh, he does look super stoned in photos from the time, so he might just be really high. He does. He almost completely lost his voice in the late 90s. They thought he yeah. might never speak again. You know, uh, Joe Buck, the sports announcer, had the same problem. So, yeah. That Chris, sucks. Chris Barron, um, who's a man whose voice we all know from this and Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Um, so, I mean, I think that, like I said, it's a near perfect pop song. The beat comes in very distinct waves that are easy to ride from one measure to the next. Uh, then they there's they have all these little effects, like they pan from left to right in the pre-chorus. Um, and it, there's uh, this refrain, uh, just go ahead now, that's repeated mm-hmm. over and over. And... It, that and its variants, I, I think they might be considered the primary element of the song. I mean, more than any yeah. instrument or uh, actual like vocal performance, just th- that sort of repetition over and over. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, they, they rip into a, a workmanlike but respectable guitar solo. Uh, that I think really serves to center the song as rock and not pop. Joe, uh, yes. that guitar solo sucks. But it's it's so respectable. It is. <laughs> he, he plays a lot of notes, but it is corny as fuck, man. But that's the corniness <laughs> is what centers it as, I don't know. But I, 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 to me, it's like, yeah, all right, this, this guitar solo fits perfectly in this pop song. Uh, fair enough. I mean, I, it may just be my biases, but I just listen. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, stop, stop wanking in the middle of my pop rock. But um, it's... It's sorry. <laughs> to oh, me, no. the guitar solo is like it's 
it's rock. And when you when you cheapen it into dime store pop, I I, I check out. Well, that's a, that's gonna be a repeating theme with all these songs. How they weirdly uh, are really bad and also mm-hmm. strangely good. <laughs> Pretty much. I think this is probably the best of them, despite what I just said. Yes. Um, because mostly just because that that primary vocal melody and the riff that goes with it that you mentioned are just the catchiest thing ever written. Um, the that rest right after the if you da 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 is yeah. uh, somehow a perfect a perfect device to pull you in every time, even the possibly literal one millionth time you hear it. Um, yeah, I've d- probably I- heard. I've probably heard this song like on the radio or whatever more than all the other songs combined. Absolutely. In malls, in grocery stores, in elevators. Um, Yeah. And the funny thing is I don't really even like that many other parts of the song. Like the, the scat singing that he gets into at the beginning. Like I just kind of hate scat singing, but it's so lame. Real bad. (laughs) And then he sing raps a part at one point. Not very good, but. You know, it was the early 90s. You can't totally blame people for things like that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's still, it's 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 amazing how repetitive it can be and yet so catchy and never really get old. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's got hate. that it's got that nice breakdown at the end. Um, or maybe mm-hmm. that's the rap part that you hate where it's just the drums only. It's the part where he's like, marry him or marry me. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK, no, that part is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Uh I also, I also I like the theme. I like the story in this song where mm-hmm. it's not, you know, oh, uh you're deciding between me and the other guy. I'm better than the other guy. Um mm-hmm. it's oh these other two cool rich guys are after you, um but they're complete douchebags. Um I recommend you chill with me even though I'm a loser. Um, and you have to buy me flowers. We'll still have a better time. It's like, oh, it's almost like empowering the woman. I mean, you know, that's not that she needs to be empowered by a man, but he's yeah. offering her like, yeah, you know, he's just saying like, do you want to hang out with these douchebags? Like, let's let's hang out. You know, he's, he's just kind of stating his case and being yeah. very honest about it, uh, which is, it's. I think that's part of the song's charm that he is saying, fuck you to you know, two different rich douchebags. <laughs> I think, I think if this song is empowering anybody, Joe, it's slackers. Um, uh, namely the oh, narrator. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. It's, it's empowering the, the slacker narrator. Um, and perhaps, uh, making him strangely appealing yes. to an otherwise unimpressed, um, <laughs> uh, uh, male or, or female or male. Uh, I, it's yeah i guess it's not specified but we could probably uh anyway <laughs> <laughs> um all right yeah two princes a good pop song thank you everybody this has been savage beast um <laughs> i will i want to close by saying that i think two princes is like it's it's a uh, a pantheon level 90s pop song like it's yeah. just it's it's worth listening to again no shame yeah Absolutely, not. No it's shame. been stuck in my head a million times, and I don't hate it. That's a really that's really high praise, actually. <laughs> that's the the theme <laughs> of this episode is shame or no shame. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's go for one that I should have been shamed to suggest we listen to. Um, a song nobody likes. 
Breakfast at Tiffany's by All Deep right. Blue something. What Deep Blue what? Deep Blue something, Joe. But what? What? So, something. What? What's the yeah. something? Mm-hmm. You'll say we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling apart. You'll say the world has come between us. Our lives have come between us. Still, I know you just don't care. And I said, What about breakfast to Tiffany? She said, I think I remember. Why did I tell you that that, that I kind of like that song? I can't actually remember that. Um, I don't know, because, but you said it. So. <laughs> as soon as I started to listen to it again, I was like, oh, actually, uh, this little acoustic guitar riff is the weakest sauce of all time. And the guy can't sing, or he can he can hit notes, but he can't like sing attractively. Um, the verses are so bad. It really just comes down to, uh, yet again, this is a chorus that has been stuck in my head a million times, and I don't hate the chorus. It's, uh, even though it's, um, it's pretty stupid melodically. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I did that. I said it. Um. Tell me how wrong I am. This, this band is a true one-hit wonder. Like they a really true. basically broke up after this and and just kind of scooted about a little bit. I think uh, it said they either are together now on Wikipedia or yeah. have recently gotten together to cash in on a little nostalgia. Uh, you know, they released a digital EP. Ooh, uh, technically, so has everybody who yeah. has ever been on the internet. That's rough. Um, so, uh, you know, Deep Blue Something, uh, mm-hmm. Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, I, you know, the sound, the song is profoundly boring, uh, <laughs> from its, uh, jangly, nothing lead guitar to its meaningless, uh, near Dada chorus, uh, even to the band's middle school clever joke name, uh, the whole is far less than the sum of its meager parts. <laughs> uh, yeah. and you know, I think, and then somehow that whole is fascinating in a weird way. It's like 90s music gaining sentience, uh, <laughs> existing without any heart. And it's like a Twitter bot uh, picking like themes and lyrics from random conglomerations of facts and pop culture and like putting it into just a, you know, generically generated. Uh, 90s alt rock uh, super it's, basic song. It's like a machine learning program trained on 90s light alt and then told to produce its own song from it. Yes. Um, 
Um, yeah. And, and yeah. No, go ahead. Uh, and it, it weirdly reminds me of this essay I read, essay I read which I believe was titled The Click recently, and someone in a band wrote it. I can't remember who. Maybe Edwin Sharp. Is that the dude's real name that's in Edwin Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros or whatever? Well, it's Edward Sharp, Edward but Sharp, I don't know if yes. that's his real name or not. Um, uh, and the... Uh, the point of this essay was that, you know, music is so easy to make now that no one really develops the skills necessary to make it good. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I I feel like deep blue something really was like the nineties rock version (laughs) of that. Uh, you could note the strange coincidence of, uh, deep blue being in their name, uh, the name of a famous supercomputer. Um, I just I, I kind of am imagining a world where instead of the music apps making beats and drops, they make uh, bad alt rock that people <laughs> create in their basement. Um, I think songs like Breakfast at Tiffany's would be the result. Yeah, it's it's terrible. I have no defense for saying it other than I had never really paid that much attention other than, hey, this chorus is catchy. Um, I ha- I think the dumbest thing about this very dumb song is that the song doesn't even need, seem to know how ludicrously weak its um, its uh, lyrical theme is, which is, uh, well, you're dumping me. Uh, you say we have nothing in common, but we both kind of liked Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, which I think has been mocked a million times over the years, but uh, it would be one thing if the song seemed to be mocking itself for that, but I don't. I really don't think it is. It really seems to think like, well, that's sort of a, a funny thing to bring up. It's kind of. I mean, now that I think about it, it's it's really less uh, even of a one hit wonder than it is a, like a novelty joke that we, <laughs> we all kind of share. Like people that listen to music and the radio back then, there was like yeah. a joke song on it. I mean, it's. You know, I'm trying to think of, you know, it's like flying purple people eater or something like that. <laughs> that's uh, a good, that's a good example. That song is uh, much better than this song. But. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. Deep Blue Something. Um, I'm sorry, but uh, your one song was not good. Um, you've probably known that for a while. It's the weird, um, like there is nothing else takes place. No. In this song than discussing this. Yes. It's literally, well, you say we're breaking up. I mean, the lyrics are in the verses are are not even it doesn't even feel like he worked on them very hard. Uh it's one of the couplets is it's plain to see we're over. And I hate when things are over. Um, which is probably the least wrenching description of a broken relationship I've ever heard of. Um but, you know, the guy probably got a nice house and a car out of it, so good for him. Yeah, or he, you know, became a heroin addict and <laughs> struggled for years. One of the two. The, the money was put to good use either way. <laughs> they seem like very normal boys from North Texas, so I, I, bet, they, I bet they have some Camaros and some the, McMansions, and they're the okay. North, the North Texas uh, kind of like rube aspect to this really um, gives <laughs> the song some necessary context. 
Yeah, they all met at the University of North Texas, which I drove through uh, the town that's in a number of times going to Oklahoma nearby. And I can tell you uh, there's no reason to be in that city ever. So um, it can't have been fun. However, my school did beat the shit out of his school like 80 to nothing while I witnessed it one time. So that was fun in football. And, you know, you know, that school is in Denton. And uh-huh. Denton is the uh, subject of um, one of my favorite uh, anthemic weird rock songs of all time. Uh, the best ever death metal band out of Denton by the the Mountain Goats. Uh, oh, really? Yes. I've not heard that Mountain Goats song, I don't think. <sighs> oh, man, it's truly fantastic. And, you know, the the Mountain Goats are famously uh, a kind of Christian band. Uh, yeah. And it's it's famous because the ending kind of chorus of the song is him saying, let's celebrate this band, like this fictional band. And then he screams, hail Satan, <laughs> several times. <laughs> so in his audience, his shows, like people are screaming, hail Satan for this song. <laughs> and it really works. We're going to talk about that song in a later, in a later episode where I talk about... Uh, blasting um uh all hail west texas as i drove through west texas fantastic yeah um well done uh i i can tell you having been a christian kid myself that that would be a big uh sacrilegious hit with a certain element of youth group kid uh at the time i can't anyway. yeah i can't emphasize enough that that song as opposed to this song has <laughs> some of the best lyrics of any song that i have uh, ever listened to um Anyway, uh, let's go to the next one, unless you have something else to say. No, uh, I have uh, said far too much about Breakfast at okay. Tiffany's The Song, not the reasonably good movie. Um, uh, let's go with, I don't know, Joe, what do you feel like? Uh, let's go with uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Ah, speaking of kind of Christianish songs, if you ask me. Interesting. Yeah, I'll expound okay. in a second. We're going to listen to Hold My Hand. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace and some harmony. We'll take the world together We'll take them by the hand Cause I got him for you How is it possible that this one of the most popular Hootie and the Blowfish songs was somehow unknown to me um, before today? Maybe well, I, I heard it, but I didn't. Remember I don't know. It. I, I can't account for your like weird, fucked up uh, relationship <laughs> to music in like 1995. It's kind it's, of your job. You're in this podcast with me. There are several episodes where we explore that. Um, <laughs> 
No, but you you weren't watching MTV. I think that would be that would be the explanation for your lack that of is complete fair. knowledge of the Hootie Hootie catalog. <laughs> That's fair. Uh Joe, this song is uh is is good. Um Yeah. I yeah. uh I kinda hate uh I only want to be with you, maybe not because it's bad, but just because I've heard it too many times. Yes. Um but this song is um uh first of all, Darius Rucker can actually uh sing the hell out of a pop song. Oh, he's an um, awesome singer. He's I mean, fucking incredible. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason he has a successful career as a country singer that is ongoing. Oh really? I didn't even know that. Oh yeah. Um uh yeah, I kind of want to hear him like singing music that I really in a style that I actually really love. Um or just, you know, like a really interesting songwriter writing stuff for him. Um because the dude can wail. Um yes. and but then he puts it on top of what's, you know, some fairly straight ahead rock. I mean, most of it, a lot of it like this is is catchy pop, but not like profound music in any real sense. Um Nonetheless, this is a super fun song, and I mentioned before we started it that it feels vaguely christenish to me, and if you look at the lyrics, it's clearly not, but if you switch a few of the pronouns from, uh, from some U's to I's and some I's to U's, this could easily, and I would bet good money actually was, uh, played by um, Christian praise bands in like mega churches in the mid-90s, because... Um, it's got a very praise band sound, very gospely chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, yeah. and the lyrics really could be, uh, the sinner addressing Christ if you tweak them just a little bit. So, uh, uh, I feel like this definitely happened and, um, was also probably the best thing that happened in church that Sunday when it did. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I think that, It that's interesting, the Christian aspect. Actually, it's funny. It's like that I would say that throw me for a loop, but I feel like that's pretty obvious. I mean, it, they're a southern band, they, they sing yeah. soulfully. There's a lot of like, uh, like there's that, that just like kind of choir, yeah, uh, aspect to it. Um, certainly it's joyful. I mean, to me, this is like where all the light from frat rock kind of coalesced. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's the, it's, you know, it's a, it's like the end of like a drunken night. Like someone picks up this guitar, a guitar and starts playing this. You're not like, fuck no, dude. You're like, you're like singing along. This is fun. Like this is a fun yeah. thing to do at 2 a.m. You know, you're happy they're playing this song and, and some of the other songs from this album. Um, That's a great point. This would absolutely be a great drunken group sing along song. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, um, you know, uh, it's it's powerful. I mean, that's why I ew, I love this album. I used to play it all the time. Um, yeah. You know, See, I never owned this album. I'm one of the only people in America who didn't buy this album that sold 16 million copies. Paul, this is uh, one of the best-selling albums of all time. It is, in fact, yes. It, which is um, remains fucking crazy. Although I guess it just shows that, like, at the end of the '90s, like there was this high peak where people were buying an insane number of cds right before they became completely useless yeah i mean cds were actually way cheaper than vinyl albums were after you account for inflation yes um and people were richer 
And the CDs were also most, more useful in that you could put them in your car and even walk around with them if you were willing to accept a bunch of skipping if you like jumped too hard. Um, that's an experience our kids will never have. No. Um, <laughs> but um, I can see where the the expanded utility and uh, the fact that people that they just were were less expensive meant that record sales were at their absolute peak before um, it became trivial to steal them. Um, and I, I do have to then say, I have to say a couple things uh, that are negative about this song and album before we oh. talk about only want to be with you. Okay. Um, first the production is so thin and radio <laughs> friendly. I mean, thank God rock doesn't get played on the radio anymore because <laughs> it, it really, I mean, in many ways destroyed some good albums. And I think, you know, I was listening to this on my good headphones, but through like Spotify on uh, on my phone, like on the uh, bus on the way home today, and I was just like, "This is uh, there's." I know it's a great song, but there's just not that much there um, yeah. behind it. Um, and uh, uh, I, I kind of it fills me with a bit of dread that I used to really kind of get off to these songs. Um, uh, especially there's a song later in the album called time, uh, that I loved and, and that there's so little like kind of emotional resonance left. Not that I don't still mm -hmm. like them, but, um, and I think the production's responsible for that. Um, yeah. And, uh, that makes uh, total sense. Cause yeah. you know, over time, I, the other thing is like this, albums that are produced like this, like it sounds good on the radio, but it, there's no it's so machine processed that there's no soul left at all really yeah um other than i mean darius rucker's voice cannot become soulless but there's no. the performances are very feel very perfunctory uh even when they're played with enthusiasm when it's just everything is that hermetically sealed each part from the other yeah and and um I, it's funny on the way uh, out to dinner tonight. I was um, had the '90s uh, Sirius XM station on, and uh, a long December came on, mm -hmm. and it, just that sudden contrast between that and Hootie and the Blowfish. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Counting Crows." It's just they there's there's a lot more still there, and mm -hmm. they're not a perfect band, and their stuff does not hold up. Um, you know. Uh, pristinely by any means, but there's so much more emotional charge remaining yeah. in, in those songs. And uh, soon after like Foo Fighters, Big Me came on and not to list all the songs that are better than Hootie and the Blowfish. Cause that's a long <laughs> thing, but just to think about like other kind of like pop hits from the, the nineties. I mean, uh, it, those are a little later, but they just, uh, you know, they're, yeah. Not to give Hootie too much credit. Yeah. Well, I mean, just lyrically, I mean, uh, Hootie songs are decidedly generic in their uh, in their tropes. I mean, Hold My Hand, um, I Want to Run With You. There's nothing terribly... It's, it's just like sort of paint-by-numbers pop lyrics. Whereas, uh, you know, for better or for worse, Counting Crows, I mean, he's like... He's definitely trying to write a poem at you. Um, 
as right. you're listening to that. And uh, it definitely allows him to reach levels of depth that are unavailable if you're just, you know, sort of um, uh, doing plain spoken uh, uh, and not that hard, <laughs> you know, just the most plain spoken and, and generic lyrics you can, which is more or less what Hootie's doing. Word. Um, and All right, so I only want to, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, let's talk about I, I Only Want to Be With You. All right, Joe, you do it because I didn't know we were going to do this. Well, I had, to, I mean, like I was listening to this album because I wanted the context and I Only Want to Be With You perfectly described as two princes, but like 75% as good. Um, <laughs> and, and that it misses a vital cutoff uh, to be like infinitely listenable. That's um, fair. There, speaking of his lyrics, there is the um, third verse, or no, I guess it might be the fourth verse. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck knows? There's a verse in this song. I'm going to re- read you all the lyrics. Oh, boy. Uh, put on a little Dylan, sitting on a fence. I say that line is great. You asked me what it meant by, said I shot a man named Gray, took his wife to Italy. She inherited a million bucks, and when she died, it came to me. I can't help it if I'm lucky. Into the chorus, I only want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I was like, did Hootie... I, I looked it up because like, did Hootie inherit a million bucks? Like, what is he saying here? Um, uh-huh. What I figured out is that he literally, after put on a little Dylan sitting on a fence, when she's saying, I asked you what you meant by, he then sings six lines from a Bob Dylan song, and yes. they were later sued by Bob Dylan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's super fucking lazy. That's even lazier than just saying, I only want to be with you. <laughs> yes, and that it just, uh, so maybe that ended up costing Hootie a million bucks. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bummer that he writes one of the most popular songs of the '90s and then has to get sued for for um, lifting a verse of the lyrics. It's, but uh, that was his own fault. Um, it's uh, it's nowhere near the utter uh, wipeout that is uh, the Rolling Stones suing the Verb for using Bittersweet Symphony without their permission. Yeah. And, now I will and say taking all their money. <laughs> Is that what happened? Oh yeah. The verb oh, never will never make any money from that song. It all goes to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> that's too bad because that song is actually good. Um, yeah, that's the thing I was gonna say is I'm actually uh, uh, pretty against intellectual property laws as they exist now, especially music sampling laws, which are terrible. Yes. Um, but. Um, uh, Hootie, uh, you're not helping the cause by just um, uh, copying somebody else's homework uh, right there. Um, please do better so that we can have a leg to stand on with this argument. Um, and uh, I have to say, well, yeah, only I, I, I can't. I actually don't want to talk about only want to be with you. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, if you want to know, Paul, I don't know if you know this story. Um uh-huh. Uh, George Harrison's uh, amazing song um, uh, My Sweet Lord mm-hmm. um, one of the uh, just one of my favorite songs of all time one of the most moving songs uh, in kind of in my my personal uh, uh, catalog um, he was sued because there was a Ronnie Mack song called He's So Fine uh, that came out um, uh, that, uh, much earlier and they said it was you know 
that he'd copied from it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, George Harrison later um, uh, just uh, bought the rights to that song from the licensing company because he was so rich. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he never had to deal with it again. <laughs> That's fantastic. Which is, just delights me. Uh yeah, if you have fuck you money, you should definitely be saying fuck you to a lot of people with it because, um, that you know, trolling is an art, and it's one of the things that you can only you you can there's certain trolls only available to the mega rich, and so you it's sort of obligatory for you to uh, to take advantage of them if you if you have that opportunity. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> let's uh, I agree lump. completely. Yes. Yeah. Let's uh let's go with lump. By the presidents of the United States of America. Um, here we go. I'm sad alone in a boggy marsh, totally motionless except for her heart. Mud flowed up into lumps, pajamas. She totally confused all the passing piranhas. She's lump, she's lump, she's in my. that was lump um i kind of screwed up when i suggested this song because it really does not belong on this list uh the way it turned out far too too hard um even though it's not hard um but that's okay maybe we need a representative of the uh sort of pop grunge of the 90s to complete our list um uh the other issue with this song being on the list is that it's so straight ahead i almost can't think of anything to say about it um it's yeah because i want to get off into a tangent about this band and listen to them at that time it was definitely very different than like listening to two princes over and over on easy listening radio for um, sure i certainly owned uh this record uh listen to lump peaches kitty uh uh-huh. a whole variety of um songs i think uh stranger was another one i listened to naked and famous and you know as a whole um all of these kind of like gems of uh silly alternative rock and Uh i don't know it's i remember distinctly in eighth grade kind of figuring out that the song peaches was about uh going down on girls and being just so scandalized by that and enthused um huh, and the other song is named kitty i feel like there are a lot of euphemisms mm-hmm. going on here um now now these songs suck I, they don't suck now these songs are so i don't know i think pusa or mm-hmm. pot usa depending pot on, usa has got the way you got to go if you ask yeah me. um uh, and at, at the time i was also scandalized that it was <laughs> Pot USA. 
I, uh, yeah. Which is why they went with Pusa as their official abbreviation. Ah. Um, it was too edgy to go with Pot USA. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I this I think these songs have not really hold up held up, and I don't have a ton to say about them. Yeah, it's it's hard to come up with much. I mean, I will say the the main part that everybody thinks of she's lump she's lump she's lump uh the start stop of that is catchy still i don't yeah. hate it the song is actually you know it's it's pleasant to listen to um it's a little corny too the, the like as like a big signifier of we're rocking now is um uh kind of lame but um yeah it's it's like just a little i i kind of want to make fun of some of the lyrics like Lump sat alone in a boggy marsh, totally emotionless except for her heart, which I can't even parse what he's trying to say with that. Um, like, how would how would you be... Maybe that's the point. Maybe the joke is that, of course, if her heart is emotion-full, then she's not emotionless at all. Maybe that's what's going on there. But mostly it just seems like a goofy song that's too tri- trifling to be worth making fun of. The one good thing to come out of Lump is Weird Al's spectacular yes. song and video for Gump, <laughs> which just yeah, and honestly, that's why I still think about this song is because of that. It, it just perfectly melded so many moments in, uh, <laughs> in, in that that time. Um, as Joe, I, how have we not done a Weird Al, Al uh, episode ah, yet? That's going to be an epic episode, and and you are absolutely right. Might be a good one to bring. Uh, some of the other boys on for. I was going to say Taylor at least needs yeah, to participate. The crazy, the, <laughs> the savage crew. <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, debating whether uh, Gangster's Paradise or Amish Paradise is the uh, superior song. Oh is, my uh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't even. <laughs> I love Weird Al, but come on. <laughs> uh,. Raise a barn on Sunday, pseudo raise another. <laughs> no, no insult to Gangster's Paradise. That's uh, it's one of the greatest rap songs of the '90s. Okay, are we done with the President of the United States of America? I'm sure that there are people out there who know hours worth of fun songs and facts about this band. I don't do care. they because I looked all these bands up on Wikipedia, and I have to say, there was almost zero interesting information about the presidents of the usa on wikipedia maybe there's some deep fan site ever somewhere where the good stuff is kept but they seem to be um a completely unremarkable band for a band that had hits we still remember 25 years later yeah i mean and their second album just titled two was so thin even compared to this one it was just like it was like this this album but not fun (laughs) <laughs> that um i i just there there's no there there when will we hear pot usa's great statement about the meaning of life uh, is my question i don't know but they are uh, also um now uh seo shit because when you google their name oh uh, yeah you get a big fat picture of president trump you can't even you can't even wikipedia their name you just get a list of presidents of the united states you gotta go uh, with like pusa band yeah, you got to go with Presidents of the United States of America band, and then you get a chance to click on a link from the search results. Um, it's uh, they just they just fucked up the digital re- revolution and um, deserve everything they get for it. 
Um, all right, Joe. Let's not even introduce this last song for people. Let's just spring it on them. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Here we go. She's blind, flesh and bone. Now tucks a silicone. She's touch, smell, sight, taste, and sound. But somehow I can't believe that anything should happen. I know where I belong, and nothing's gonna happen. down after yeah. that chorus <laughs> thank you thank you canada for yes yeah. this, this tal gift. backman with she's so high um about a woman who does not appear to be actually high in the classic sense um uh joe did you know that tal backman is the son of the founder of the bachman turner overdrive wow that uh, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I never knew until just today. Also, the Bachman-Turner overdrive was three Bachmans and one Turner. Uh, the Bachmans all being brothers. Um, so should it, it, <laughs> should it been, have been called Bachmans-Turner overdrive? <laughs> I, all I can tell from this story is that Canada is fucking weird, man. Um, <laughs> I want Bruce. I want Bruce. Ruth's Chris to buy Bachman Turner Overdrive. Name it like Ruth Chris's Bachman's Turner Overdrive. <laughs> like, like the Ruths and the Chris are so pissed about the fucked up pluralization of Bachman Turner Overdrive, they have to, they have to go back in time and fix it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Determined to uh, esoterically pluralize every every good thing in this world. Excellent, excellent. Anyway, uh, Tal Bachman. Uh, I think he would also qualify as a one-hit wonder. I don't, I'm pretty sure there are no other Tal Bachman songs we know about. Yeah, he doesn't seem to uh, have... He released another album, but he didn't really see um, uh, seem to uh, care too much, like seem to put too much effort into uh, further uh, musical endeavors. I would say he probably didn't put too much effort into this song, which turned out to have one of the great choruses of all time anyway. Uh, but the verses are completely forgettable and have some really clumsy lyrics. Um, I, yeah. What I love about a girl is that she's blood, fit, flesh, and bone, no tucks or silicone. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, is is that offensive to be like, oh, thank God for this girl. She doesn't have surgery. Um, I don't... I granted getting um, breast implants probably isn't considered the most woke thing ever. So I can't tell where this falls 
uh, in the 2017 gender politics uh, well, spectrum. Well, what what did I mean? Where did you know this was this was before wokeness? Like I don't know uh-huh. what's year zero for wokeness. Oh yeah, I mean. I agree. It's before wokeness. I'm I'm asking if it has become offensive in our uh, modern times. Y- y- yes, for a variety <laughs> of reasons. Um, that is one of them. Uh, yes. Uh, it's too bad. The lyrics. One theme that carries through just all of these songs is that the lyrics are abysmal. <laughs> it's really bad, Joe. Um, if you had to, why do you think? Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, and Aphrodite are the uh, the trio of uh, sort of platonic ideal women Tal Bachman turns to um, when well, he compares there's, this there's woman. like, she's Cleopatra, she's a, that's the ruler. Mm-hmm. Joan of Arc is 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 bold, military bold. Yes, the the honorable, mm-hmm. uh, or perhaps the faithful. Uh-huh. Um, and then, then Aphrodite is, you know, the, the beautiful, the romantic. And yes. so I think he's saying that she's high above him uh, in each of those areas. That's, I actually had the same thought, perhaps. I also wonder if it was just he picked three famous ancient women at random. Uh, yes, he One did. of whom was not actually a real woman. Um, but, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, he also says Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, or Aphrodite. So I oh. guess I guess you you got to pick. Yeah, hmm. that maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, that all that said, all these criticisms, um, w- the falsetto and the the explosion of the '90s guitar rock chorus is so good that I don't even care. Um, this, like some Muse songs, uh, is uh, so tempting to sing along to that I do so, even though I can't actually sing. Hook it straight uh, into my veins. It's, it's just, yes. it's just so essentially '90s rock, loud, quiet, loud. That, uh-huh. uh, I need it. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not just that. It's also pulled off with a plum. The, sh- I think the falsetto really sells it. She's so. Ah! It's it's almost dumb how literally he goes high as he sings She's So High. Um, in fact, it is dumb, but uh, I love it anyway. I think the narrator of this song needs to uh, meet up with the narrator of Two Princes. Because mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like he needs you know some coaching about feeling <laughs> Absolutely. better about his chances. Absolutely. This is, uh, I bet this is the men's right act- rights activist movement's least favorite song. Um, yes. Nothing could be... <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing could be less uh, male power than this song. Even while I'm not sure, exactly sure it's woman power, it's uh, definitely not building men up. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just an endless series of cliches and then an explosive chorus. Um, I, I thought it was funny because when I first suggested this idea for the, the episode, you immediately shouted, text shouted, she's so high at me. Um, which was perfect because I had just heard a guy play this in a bar a couple weeks ago and it struck me then for the first time in a long time that, uh, actually I love this chorus. So, um, I'm glad we came here, man. Um, I, you know, I just looked at the Spotify one hit wonder ratio for tall Bachman and deep blue something. And, uh, they're basically tied. Both of them have, uh, just over 50 million plays. 
for their hit and then about 200,000 for their second biggest song. <laughs> I I have to give the the I have to break the tie in favor of Deep Blue Something being the bigger one-hit wonder because at least Tal Bachman's family had some hits. Yes. Um, um so I have a feeling that uh Deep Blue Something's other album other songs are probably a lot worse than Tal Bachman's. Yeah, I have no faith that I would ever want to listen to one of those Tal Bachman songs, but it can't be as bad as uh, the other Deep Blue Something songs, which must be awful. Um, um, we do we do need to, uh, I think, someday uh, pick one of these 90s one-hit wonders and listen to an entire album. You, that sounds like a good idea, and I was just thinking of that with Deep Blue Something, but I bet we would listen to it and just be like, that was, that was terrible. I... I don't have much else to say. It was very bad. Let's let's uh, l- let's listen to um, uh, we could listen to all of Tonic's album. Ah, see, I bet I bet there will be three songs I like on a Tonic album. Um, fascinating. That's my that's my bet. Um, it'll be like it'll be like that fucking um, <sighs> when we did our terrible albums by decade uh, uh, episode. The one from the nineties was. Uh, was it uh, Our Lady Peace? Our Lady Peace, yeah. It'll be like that album, except not the same, but but that ratio of like, oh, there are a few good songs and the rest is awful. Um, anyway, in closing, Joe, uh, there were some songs we missed as YouTube revealed to me when I was doing my research for this album, for this episode. Uh, after, after She's So High, the grid of next videos to play mm-hmm. um, gave me just an incredible selection of 90s pop rock. Wow. It's, I wrote them down. Uh, Closing Time, all-time classic song. Yes, yes. Stacy's Mom, possibly even better. Wow. Uh, Steal My Sunshine by Lynn, which I don't know if you remember that song, but I actually like that song. I love that song. So good. Good good story behind that song, I believe. I think I've I've been fascinated by the Wikipedia article by that before. I don't remember why. Uh, We should investigate that later, Joe. Next time. time. Yeah. (laughs) No Rain by Blind Melon. Oh, that's just a great song. Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry, which should absolutely have been on this ah, list. Another fucking great song. I actually thought of that one and forgot to mention it. It's It, it would have been perfect. Uh, Tub Thumping, which is a terrible song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess I could see where somebody would have fun just saying, I get knocked down. But I it's if you were drunk in an English bar, it would be fun to all sing that along together. Um, absolutely. Story of a Girl. Um, yes. Yes. Very catchy song, um, Buddy Holly. Uh, no, no Shame. explanation required there. Um, Damn, I wish I was your lover by Sophie B. Hawkins. Mm. A song. This was the one song I had did not know already. Oh I wow! Probably heard it, but I didn't recall it. When I listened to it, it turned out to be sort of an Amy Grant type thing. Yeah, it's a little off this uh, this genre. Yeah, and then lastly, favorite of the pod, All Star by Smash Mouth. Yes. Um, I think I think that's an excellent list. I would listen to that mix. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I would also throw uh, Crackers Low on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, who knows? There's there's so much. Uh, wow. Space <laughs> space hogs. In the meantime, mm. um, we could go on on '90s dumb songs that we still remember. We're and love. we're gonna do another episode like this someday because it's we should, delightful. We should make a 200 song Spotify playlist of, of actually that already exists. Um, I'm sure ours but, will be better. Yes, of 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 songs you've 
you barely remember from the nineties, Phil. It's thirty somethings. Is uh, Stacy's mom in this in this uh, category? I think it is. I think Stacy's mom is too rock for the category we just did tonight. All right, um, okay. It also might be in the two thousands. I'm not really sure. Um, Fountains of Wayne generally is too good of a band for this discussion. Um, they had some good songs. They did. Um, oh yeah, Stacy's mom was two thousand three. How time flies. Yeah. Uh, did, all right, Joe. What? How did Stacy's mom come out after Pedro the Lions? I, I can't even get into this. I, it's, <laughs> wow. It's like uh, my chronology is just all kinds of fucked up. Uh, the uh, Winners Never Quit came out three years before uh, oh, yeah. Stacy's mom. I mean, I don't yeah. know. That, you know, I was thinking today that like I always picture Bell and Sebastian as like this 2000s band, even though they have all these uh, fucking great albums from the 90s. Um, I don't know why, but that's the way the world works. It is. Um, I I can't think of any similar bands or else I would corroborate this phenomenon for you. Um, I'm sure there are some. Uh, Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening to Savage Beast. We're on Twitter at Savage Beast Pod. We're also on the web at savagebeastpod.com and on email at savagebeastpod at gmail.com. We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice that the internet may know us better. Um, Joe, Spotify or, or SoundCloud, uh, is it is it still about to die? I, I no, it got, it's, it got an infusion of cash and has been mm. saved. For two more weeks. Yes. Um, well, everybody... This is what you get for not paying for music. Um, although I don't know why you would pay for music hosted on Spotify anyway. Yes. Well. And and if you uh, decide to stop listening to our pod to break up with it, uh, remember how we all kind of liked She's So High. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How if we're drunk enough, we fucking love She's So High. <laughs> Uh, is there a real per? Is that a real story? Do you think she there really was a person that he broke up with, and it was like, oh, we both like Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, that song. Um, no, especially because so the Wikipedia page says he was actually inspired by the movie Roman Holiday starring mm. Audrey Hepburn, but he thought Breakfast at Tiffany's worked better lyrically, which was perhaps his one useful lyrical insight of all time. Um, but it worked out for him. Well, my my youth is a lie. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm sad alone.